Hi, everyone. Welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. Carrie and Austin here. We have a great episode lined up for you today. We're talking about the animal welfare nightmare that COVID has caused for mink. Uh, we have an exciting update uh, from a temporary shelter after a recent dog meat farm rescue and much more. Um, but first, Carrie, so we were off this last week for the holidays, but kind of in a bit of scarier news, COVID has um, affected not only the mink, but your household yes. as well. So how, yeah, how are you I, feeling? Uh, I managed to, to get COVID without ever setting foot on a horrifying mink farm, which, uh, you know, I consider that a personal achievement, actually. I, uh, you know, yeah, in spite of the fact that my husband and I have been, I really think, pretty safe. I mean, we've, we've done all the things, you know, the social distancing, the mask wearing, the, the, washing of the hands, um, you know, like, and I keep racking my brain for where we got this thing. But yeah, around, um, I guess, early to mid-November, we were diagnosed. Um, he was a lot sicker than I was, but it's been it's been pretty miserable. And I, I honestly, like, that's part of the reason that I didn't fill up to doing the podcast last week. But, um, you know, just when I think I'm, I'm done with it, it kind of comes back, you know, like I had been feeling pretty good this past week. And then last night, this sort of crushing headache that is a good fun part for some people I mean and that's the other thing that's really weird about this thing is that people get really different symptoms and we experienced that because um you know I think my husband was particularly worried about losing his sense of taste because he writes about food and yeah. um you know like he never had that uh we had a whole bunch of other things but um we we didn't have that which was good but so yeah, it's uh that one's been a, a fun thing to deal with, um, you know, and I I would say that in spite of the fact you know like we've had a relatively speaking a mild case and have been very lucky and had a lot of support, but it's just a reminder about what's going on in the world. Yeah, well, you said it's it's so interesting because it's so different between person to person, mm -hmm. and yeah. a friend of mine was on. Instagram, she also had COVID, unfortunately, and she did a video. She she put like a sandwich together. She put pickles and chocolate and onions and all these different things. She took a huge bite and said, I don't taste one thing. I don't wow. smell anything. And so, holy cow. And for you, but she never got the like the waves like you're mm. kind of describing. I mean, it, it came in different waves for you, right? You said you, you thought you got out, but it was maybe a lull. And yeah, I mean, so we've been, I mean, I've been sick, I think, since November 12th ish was, was when we started. <sighs> like, we started to feel like a little hinky around the 10th. And then I officially got diagnosed like three or four days later. Um, and you know, like for me, for the most part, it's played out just like having a really, really bad cold, which, you know, can be debilitating. I don't mean to downplay it because you just feel, I mean, I've had like just terrible brain fog where I just feel sort of stupid all the time. And that's, um, you know, like when you're trying to keep working and stuff like that's a little bit crazy. Um, but it's also, you know, like, that's the thing is, is there've been days that I felt pretty good, but that for the, I think the biggest thing that both of us experienced was just total exhaustion. Like you feel like you're couch locked, like you've never been couch locked before. You know, you just have no physical energy and just walking across the room, you're like, all right, that's enough exercise for today. Gosh. So yeah. Well, I'm sad that it had to come to that, but I'm glad that you actually finally got to take a break for one of the busiest people that I know in this organization. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's still trying to figure out how to manage it in between yeah. trying to keep up with everything because I was hoping that I was out of it and then then not so much. They pull you back pull you in. Back. Yeah. Pull you back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But yeah, so 
Yeah, Thanksgiving looked a lot different. You you weren't traveling, yeah, for but everybody uh, though. Yeah, and for then everyone, yeah. So, yeah, I like everyone was locked up at home. <laughs> I was just locked up because I'm I'm an actual spreader now. So. <sighs> Gosh, well, I'm I'm glad that you sound like you're on the mend. But yeah, speaking uh, speaking of traveling news, Carrie, I can't bring my emotional support peacock on the plane after that this big announcement that happened. I was yep. actually going to see if I could pull in my emotional support support animal. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the new the Department of Transportation rule, it said that airlines can no longer. Oh my Where's gosh! The emotional support animal. I don't know how we would have gotten through COVID without the dogs. They've House been just flu. so helpful. And I mean, I was actually worried about giving the dogs COVID because you know, like sure. as as we'll talk about later in this episode, there's there's a lot of stuff about you know transmissibility back and forth between people and animals and it, it's really not clear yet exactly how contagious this is yeah. for a pet and you know we were trying to stay away from the dogs while we were most infectious um sure but man it was good having them around but yeah this new this emotional support animal on planes thing is a new interesting development yeah so it's a new development but uh, more kind of what hsus can can talk on but it says that airlines cannot ban certain breeds of service dogs. So we talked about this. You and I talked about this, I believe on the podcast back in 2019, in the summer mm -hmm. of 2019, there was an airline that banned specific restrictions for whatever reasons, you know, pit bull type breeds. Yeah, and, pit and bulls, because we know that those are sort of a fictional breed. Right, exactly. It's unscientific. It discriminates against the animals. And really the person that gets the the worst of it is, um, the cu customers with disabilities, they have to choose between air travel or their essential service animals. So now they don't have to, which is great. But. Yep. Yep. It's really, it's really good. And I mean, they, they made some other restrictions too around, I think that they, they said that now um, the, the service animals can only be dogs. Um, but I think for, for us, the thing we're really celebrating is the fact that they're no longer, they're, they're branding breed breed restrictions on that. And then we're generally just super on board with that because all of these breed restrictions tend to be generated by media hype um, that tends to focus on certain breeds of dogs without actually noticing the fact that all dogs can bite. I mean, this is, this is yeah. not a scientific, like breed bands are not scientific. They're not smart. They're not effective at it, at actually keeping people safe and, and sound around dogs. Right. And I'm hoping that other institutions will be able to follow suit. You know, I know I'm still living in an apartment and the amount of restrictions they have for these certain breeds for, again, whatever reasons, um, kind of unwarranted. So it's, it's kind of a, a great step in the right direction. I'm really happy that, you know, again, sad about the peacock, but the only zoo now will be at the baggage claim uh, from now on. So yes. that's, that's exciting. But um, okay, so now we have the next exciting uh, segment for the podcast. We are going to head to our first special guest on the show, which is Nicole Jaworski, who is the manager of social media at Humane Society International. She is currently in the temporary shelter that is where almost 200 dogs, more than 100 for sure, were recently saved from South Korea's brutal dog meat trade. So stay tuned. Hi guys, my name is Nicole Jaworski and I'm with Humane Society International and we are at our temporary shelter facility taking care of some of the dogs rescued from South Korea's dog meat trade. So I'm going to give you guys a little tour of the facility and then we'll end it with something really special. Um, I'm going to flip this. Aww. This is Pluto. This is one of the dogs rescued hey, baby. from a South Korean dog meat farm. 
Hi, Pluto. Hi, Pluto. Hi. Oh, what a sweetheart. And I'll take you guys around this facility. Just a few weeks ago, this place had over 100 dogs being housed here, and now we are down to 28. So this is pretty incredible. It means that the majority of the dogs have recovered and they have been transported to our shelter and rescue partner groups for adoption. The remainder of the dogs here, this is Doug. Hi, Doug. Hey, Doug. Hi, Doug. So Doug and the remaining dogs here will continue receiving care until they too are ready for adoption. So I was here a few weeks ago and there were lines and rows of kennels but now it's just this few it's a lot quieter for these guys which is great news too and it looks like a warehouse or a hangar kind of where they're all Hi, in there. oh wow and these guys dog. came from the absolute worst environment on a south korean dog meat farm they were crammed into tiny cages sometimes 10 dogs in one cage <sighs> or confined to really short teens. So it's a learning process for a lot of these guys. And um, it's going to take time for them to adjust. Sure, with all the more space too, yeah. Looks like in all these so cages. So we're walking over here now into a play group that we have set up with some of the dogs. Again, some simple pleasures that dogs should be used to running around playing with toys, interacting with other dogs. All right, so we're in here. Let me flip the camera. Look at oh, these guys. Like a little play area for Hi. the dogs. That's great. That's Hello. awesome. We have and some socializing. toys scattered for them. Oh, cool. And they're enjoying some time. Do we know these dogs' names? So the little one is Bessie. Right here, Stanley. Stanley. Do is Miss Marsha, the real pretty brindle one. Miss Marsha, hi guys. <laughs> they are just playing around with all the pup toys and socializing. The farm, That's these great. guys had no access to toys and Kongs, so being able to experience these type of things that weren't available on the farm is just such an incredible moment to see. They got to figure out what to do with them, poor things. Oh. Lots of energy. That's nice to see. Hello. Carrie, they probably never knew how to play. And now exactly. so they're like, so what, what do we do? At this facility, these guys get food, fresh water, lots of enrichment activities, such as Kongs and toys and goodie bags, treats. We want to make sure that they are as stimulated as possible. And of course, some playtime. That's great. <laughs> they're just running around they're like what what yeah do it's like do they don't here? know what to do yeah it's really interesting they seem happy but it's also like they're this is so unfamiliar and these dogs would not have been able to be rescued without all of our loyal and loving supporters so you really are the ones that made this possible we were able to rescue these dogs and close the south korean dog meat farm permanently because of donors like each and every one of you somebody likes this crate Oh, they're fast. <laughs> what beautiful colors. A little merle, a little white. Oh. Little butt sniffing. Little butt sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll let these guys continue playing, but we just wanted to show you this moment so you guys can be a part of it. And these guys will be getting more playtime during the week. This isn't their only time out of the kennel, but we just wanted to share this experience with you guys and thank you again for your support. So thank you so much. 
Thank you, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Perfect. And that was Nicole Jaworski, manager of social media at Humane Society International, who uh, was at a temporary shelter where over 100 dogs, almost 200 dogs, were recently saved from uh, South Korea's uh, uh, dog meat farm. So it was great to see, Carrie, that uh, like we mentioned, I don't know, they just didn't know how to act because they've yeah, been in these Yeah, it's really interesting. Totally. It's like, it's so interesting. Like, I mean, you see some of that in, you know, like I was just thinking when I was watch- watching them sort of run around like that, like having been to dog parks, right? Like you see, you see that sort of, you know, running around, but you also in a dog park where I think dogs are more used to being pets and used to each other's company in a different context, you see different behaviors. I mean, like there's tussling and and sort of like a little bit more um, trying to trying to cozy up to the people and and they know what to do with the toys. And those dogs are all still just like learning to be dogs for the first time. Still figuring it out. I'm glad that they have another lease on life uh, and that our teams were able to get in there and and uh, you know make this rescue. So yeah, it's great. Really cool. All right, Carrie, another story in the news that I wanted to talk to you about is uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but now the media is making it sound like a a scene from a zombie movie uh, where masses of minks are killed and buried. They were, you know, in a hurried fashion because of COVID-19 mutation fears, and then they start rising from the grave because of how they were buried. And now the Danish government is saying they they have to consider other methods of burying them. It's just turned into an animal welfare nightmare. Uh, yeah, so- it's really, it's really hideous. And I, I mean, like on, on the one hand, you know, some of the headlines that were being written about this, um, it sounded like peak 2020, you know, like mink have risen from the dead and, <laughs> and then are like stalking the streets. I mean, but I think the reality of it is even though it's not zombie mink coming after, coming after us, like the reality is, is equally gruesome and really disturbing. And, and PJ, I'm hoping you can tell us more about what's been happening here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's every morning I wake up and there's an infection or a spread of the coronavirus in mink farms in a new country or a new state. I think we're now at 10 countries that have infected farms. Including uh, the U.S. Including the U.S. And now we have four U.S. states, and the last one was just Oregon. I think that was last week that had an infected farm. So it's it's not going to slow down anytime soon, but what's happening in Denmark? I mean, when you when you kill in 15 million mink and have to find a way to dispose of those carcasses, oh, that's so gross. Uh, it's, it's going to be like a, a horror film a zombie film and uh, what was even scarier was I mean, they had to dig them up um I mean, they were already rising out of the ground but they had to dig them up and find a new place because the where they were burying them were near water tables oh and that's smart drinking water, and one was near a bathing pool so it's just like they, they just i think they're scrambling to figure out like what to do and i mean it's again this isn't going to slow down this is the reality of fur farming, where you're going to have these, um, you know, thousands and thousands of mink and foxes in, in one barn, um, where they are usually solitary uh, animals, but you, you jam pack them into these cages. Um, and it's gross. I mean, there's self mutilation, cannibalism, 
Um, it's every day is a horror movie. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Like what we're seeing in the, in the news headlines about mink rising from the grave probably doesn't even match what these mink live through every day that, right. that they're in the farm. That is exactly. The so stereotypical behavior. So it's not, I mean, it's not a shock that these fur farms are, are the breeding grounds for infections and, and potentially the next pandemic. So um, I mean, HSUS and, and so many organizations now are calling for the end of the fur trade as we know it. Um, and because Denmark closed their uh, fur farms um, or culled all their animals, um, the world's largest fur auction had to close. Um, Copenhagen's fur auction closed as well. So the impact of, of all of this is just, I don't know how the fur industry is going to rebound. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. And, and for our perspective, we knew that it was cruel. We knew the industry was bad for the environment, but now you're, you're talking about a whole other thing where you're, this is potentially the next pandemic spreading the coronavirus of the reason that we need to end this trade. And so I can't imagine any, um, retailer or designers going to want to be associated with that. So yeah. I, going to see a mass exodus of, of fur in general from fashion and, and cities and states across the world. Yeah, PJ, that was my fear too. Fur has already been in decline globally, whether that's cultural trends, people are ditching the furs and the, you know, the in, in place of innovations and faux furs and different faux leathers and things like that. It makes no sense for for Denmark to restart the industry or for other fur farms to restart the industry, right? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, it's, this isn't going to go away. So we know that humans can give mink coronavirus and then it mutates through these farms and they're giving humans a mutated variant of coronavirus. And so as long as um, these fur farms, these mink fur farms are around, um, there are going to be reservoirs for um, coronavirus. And what's really scary, and it's not being discussed very much because we know so little, but just the interaction between these fur farms and wildlife. Uh, if you have uh, a, a, a wild mink, which are native to in the United States, going up to one of these fur farms, getting coronavirus, and then taking it out to the wild yeah. population, it's always going to exist there then. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, most researchers and scientists don't know the answer right now. And we're just kind of waiting for the next state to get infected. And so uh, you're, I think you're going to start seeing countries preemptively banning for production just because they're not going to want um, fur farming to exist there in the first place. But also they're not going to want fur farming to come there because now you're going to have fur farmers and Denmark and the Netherlands that are going to be looking for other places where there are no standards or regulation, mm. um, potentially United States. Mm. And it'd be the smart thing to do would be ending the fur trade. Um, now banning fur sales, ending fur production. Yeah. Is the, is the industry trying to, to claim that, I mean, like, how are they kind of arguing this case? I mean, are they, are they defending their operations? Are they, are they trying to say that they're not responsible for the coronavirus spreads here or? Yeah, the the really sad thing is, you know, it's all about profits for them. Mm -hmm. And and so what they're sort of jockeying is how they're going to get compensated mm. for the closure of their farms. So they really are relying on the government to pay them a certain price for pelts that they weren't getting this year. 
So they were making nothing from the fur trade, from fur auctions. And so now they're asking the government saying, okay, we'll close our farm, but we want to, we want to become millionaires oh, doing it. And so it, that's what's kind of happening now is, is how are these farmers going to be compensated um, moving forward? So mm. You find another, another way to um, use your land and that's going to be more sustainable. Right. Is, have we, I mean, is that one of the things we, I mean, we, I know we do that with, uh, for example, the dog meat work yeah. that we do in, in South Korea, where we help transition some of these folks to new lines of work. Is that something that's being explored in any of these countries? Yeah, th that's, that's also being discussed at the government level, where if they are going to transition to other industries, that the government will actually help um, mm. that happen. Um, so I think you're going to see that in Denmark, especially just because uh, it's going to, they, they can't um, have mink next year as well. So they're really pushing back at that uh, on that level as well. So um, yeah, it's, if you want to make any money next year, these farmers are going to have to transition to another industry or leave the country. Mm. Okay. Uh, were there any other questions? I think that was a, a really great update from our resident expert a great, returning exciting <laughs> update about zombie yeah. mink fantastic yeah. Yeah. always happy yeah. to join <laughs> and uh I'll, i mean there's going to be more updates so um yeah. what's we'll, i'm sure we'll be talking again yeah i'm sure we will we can always trust you to bring our latest horror movie coverage pj <laughs> thank you <laughs> our returning segment yeah no pj <laughs> thank you so much uh pj smith fashion policy director at the humane society of the united states pj thanks again for dropping in uh, on the show. Great. Thanks, everyone. All right, everyone. That's all we have for today's show. To find out more about these developing stories, you can always head to humanesociety.org and be sure to message podcast at humanesociety.org. Send us your reactions, send us questions that you have, uh, suggestions and uh, topics that you want to hear for the next episode as well. See you next time on Humane Voices. Bye, everybody.